I want to welcome you to Balancing the Gifts and the Fruit today. My name is Harry Peterson, and I'm going to be your presenter. And uh, again, thanks for being here at Synergy. It's neat to see that many people show up because there's some great stuff going on here. Um, and there's one of our great leaders right there, Pat. <laughs> All right, so um, let's pray and we'll begin, okay? Uh, and there are extra chairs there if you want to grab one. Yeah. All right, Heavenly Father, we just, Lord, we just come before you right now. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to speak to us. And again, Lord, let your word, Lord, do what it does, Father God, to, to help us to see. Let our eyes be open, let our hearts be able to receive, Father. Again, that you would be honored and glorified in all that is said and done here today. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. All right, real quick, I'm going to give you just a, uh, my name is Harry Peterson, and um, I pastor in Sydney, Ohio. It's a wonderful church. Been there 17 years now, my first senior pastorate. I'm married. My wife is actually doing a session, too. She does foster care, and uh, we have three kids of our own. Uh, my oldest is in the Navy. He's in Japan right now, and I have two still at home. We have uh, two still at home. And I grew up in a, um, well, m my parents divorced when I was little, and but I was taken to a very solid church, and I would call it the old-school Pentecostal. I mean, there were, you know, Dances going around and, you know, and, and people, you know, at the altar. And I mean, I, and I remember going to Sunday school and I was four years old. And, and I literally, my sister Sue, sister Betty were just, they taught the gospel. And when my parents divorced, we didn't go to church. I stayed with my mom and we didn't go to church very often. But uh, when I became 16 years old, got saved in Assembly God Church. I was just at a, a prayer meeting. Uh, no lights, no camera, no action, no fog machines. Just, we were just praying. Keith Green, who was the best Christian singer of all time, was playing, and uh, I just, you know, I just remember the weight, I actually understood and felt the weight of sin, and understanding that I need, I, God's done too much, and I need to surrender my heart and life to Him, and so I did. Here, let me move some of this for you. Is that all right? All right. Um, so, anyhow, but then, and, and I'm going to fast forward, I, I mean, I, I'd seen a lot of different things growing up, and some of you may relate to this, I want to have a time of discussion to, to get your opinion too, uh, because, because of a lot of the error that I saw growing up, in when I got out of, I got saved when I was 16, and I, I went into a Christian school, graduated early, went into Bible college, and it was a very charismatic, lively Bible college, I cannot, at the, at the time though it was balanced really well with um, some solid teaching, I don't know if it's that way today, but it certainly was back then, back in the 80s. And so anyhow, but, but then when you leave and you begin to experience and you're visiting places, I saw, I don't know, I mean, I'll just say, I saw a lot of wackiness, a lot of error. And it really, it really hurt my heart as a Christian. And, and I grew up in the midst of all the, I was, I was a new Christian and coming out of Bible college with, remember the Jimmy Swagger deal. And then you had the, the PTL scan. And it seemed like every week there's some Pentecostal, you know, falling on the wayside and like and I remember saying Lord I know you're real I, I know your word is real what is going on here and so I literally kind of went over to the you know what um I, I I don't need any of that stuff I don't want to you know I just and and so that's where I was and I don't know if anyone can relate to that or not but you know you see so much of the goofiness for so long you just say you know what I just don't want any of that stuff I just I don't because you know you don't have to speak in tongues to be saved you don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven you know that's not and so but but we take it and we we, we we, we kind of, well, let me just, let me tell you a story. So about five years ago, back to my church that I grew up in when I was little, um, that I remember is I would, you know, Lakeshore Tabernacle, Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's not even that anymore. It's become something else. And I walk into this place, and I am not a spooky spiritual person. I just don't say stuff like, I just felt this oppression. I walk in, I'm telling I just felt this oppression. Like, what on earth? I said, what is going on in this place? I mean, I felt it immediately. And I, I'm sure I don't talk like that. That is not me. I'm the most conservative Assembly of God 
my wife even says, are you sure you're something like, oh, I mean, I'm that conservative, you know what I mean? And, um, speaking the truth. <laughs> I am, I am. I think I got to do the session on accident. Um, but, you know, I just, uh, I'm serious. So, so um, and I will say this, this is funny, because my wife, when I told her I was doing this, she goes, you, have they met you? That's what she said to me, my own wife. Uh, but anyhow, but I walk in this place, and I'm serious, there's an oppression. And I go around, I look around, and all of a sudden I see what they're getting into. And they're getting into this... And by the way, I'm going to tell you right now, you may possibly get offended. You may have a question, so I want you to say it, but we're going to talk about it. But I'm just telling you, I'm going to say some things that may, may just make you go, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. And that's okay, because that's why we're here. But anyhow, the Sons of Thunder, this really mystic thing they're getting into, and it's all become no more pastors. We're getting into, you know, eldership, leadership. And, and it was just really, well, and I stayed for the service, and, and I'm looking, and, and we just, even my, even my kids, felt it. I mean, even they, even they at a young age, and they've only known our church. They've all grown up in our church. So it, it was really kind of, kind of a strange, strange thing. Anyhow, so let me just say this. This is what the Word of God says, all right? Um, as, as anyone speaks, let them speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let them do it as the, with the ability which God supplies. In all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And saints, that's the key. When we speak, I don't care if you're, it, it, whether you're giving a prophetic word, whether you're preaching, whether you're ministering in Sunday school. When we speak, that the, all the things that we say, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is, that is the goal of whatever we teach, preach, share, testify, witness, whatever. That is our objective. That is our goal. Or at least it should be. Okay, so I think what's happening is there's this confusion in the church and understanding, I would say, of the gifts and the fruit. And what is, you know, most important, especially in Pentecostal. And I, I will say this too. I don't consider myself charismatic. I call myself a reformed, non-sensationist Pentecostal. And by that I just mean I, I hold to some more reformed theology. I, am, I believe the gifts are still for today and in operation. The Holy Spirit is still alive and well and is still doing things miraculously. And I'm a Pentecostal. I do not affiliate myself with charismatic at all because I grew up in it. And I've seen, and I think it's hijacked. The term is hijacked. I think mean, we, we almost combine them now, and I think we should. I think we should separate them to this day because there's some error in the, in the other. All right, but listen, um, so I want to look at some verses that deal with the gifts of the Spirit. I beseech you, brethren, and again, Paul has just, he's saying this after describing how God has saved us and redeemed us, as he has grafted us into to his family, and, and what an amazing God we have. He says, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in portion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And I love how he started all that out with, don't think too highly of yourself. Think soberly of yourself, about, because this, is, this has to do with God's dealt this to us. God has given these things to us. So again, he's not making a big deal about the gifts. He's just saying, use them. You're in the body of Christ now, so see, it's not a big, a big deal. So 1 Corinthians 12, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, 
To another, the word of knowledge of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And again, these are also considered gifts here. I'm about to read. And he appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, and teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, variety of tongues. So again, there's a lot there. Ephesians 4.11, he gave them some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Which, again, teachers and pastors are gifts to the body of Christ too. But normally, sadly, when we think of Pentecostal, this is, this is the, and, and you know this to be, this is what people think of. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so that's the image, and I grew up knowing that that's what people thought. And I don't know, does that make sound, I mean, seriously, do you understand what, that is the impression a lot of people have about Pentecostal. Because sadly there still are churches that will do that kind of nonsense. Bring in snakes and bring in, if you're one of those, you're really going to be offended. But I'm just saying, that is, that is what the impression is. It's, it's downgrading to women. It's, you know, it's like it's always handled. So that is not what we need to be about. In fact, as, when we see that kind of stuff, and churches do exist like that, it's because of stuff we see on TV too. And I don't know, honestly, and again, you may, I'm, I'm going to irritate you. I don't know if there is such a thing as Christian TV. Honestly, I don't know if there is. Because the stuff I see on there, what, what, what is that is all money-hungry stuff. That, that is, I, mean, I just got done, I'm going through numbers, I was preaching on Balaam. And I said, let me tell you something about a false prophet. You look at what King Balak had, King Balak had a set of all these, all these altars and all, use all the best sacrifices. It's expensive to follow a false teacher. And let me tell you something, I'll tell you how you know you're following a false teacher. It's costing you some money out of your pocket. That's a good sign that you're following a false teacher, a false ministry. It's costing you a lot of money out of your pocket. Just, that's just a side note, not my notes. I'll go on. I have to do notes because I will, I will drift too far a certain way. And Pastor John's here, and I don't want to do that and get beat up later. <laughs> All right. Um, let me go back here. Oh, yeah, cause just because of stuff you see on TV, it's, just, it's, it's crazy stuff, saints. So, again, I consider myself a Reformed, non-sensationist Pentecostal. And I love our Assemblies of God. We have our 16 fundamental truths. Let me tell you something. Listen, there's no perfect domination. That's why I'm with the Assemblies of God. Our 16 fundamentals are solid. And if we will stay in, in that, I'll tell you what, we, we, we really are. That's why we're the largest Pentecostal denomination in the world. Because we, we hold, adhere to those very things. But at the same time, I'm here today because of our grandfathers. Back in 1949, the Assemblies of God, the General Council, resolved, we disapprove of these extreme teachings and practices which, being unfounded scripturally, serve only to break fellowship of like precious faith and to tend confusion and division among the members of the body of Christ. And be it hereby known that this 23rd General Council disapproves of the so-called New Order of the Latter Rain. And you need to write that down and do some research. Because that is, listen, <laughs> there is a book and, and I saw it as our 100-year anniversary thing, and I was flipping through there one time, and all of a sudden I noticed, I'm going, wow. And again, there's no perfect domination, so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to beat up anyone. Any, I'm looking through here, and I'm thinking, you know what? Some of these people in these pictures have crept their way back in, in, in into what we allow in our churches, what we allow to be taught, stuff that our, our fathers, our grandfathers said, uh-uh. It causes division, it causes hurt, it causes confusion, and so they disprove it. And look at this list of stuff here. 
The overemphasis relative to imparting, identifying, bestowing, or conforming gifts by laying on of hands and prophecy. The erroneous teaching that church is built upon the foundation of present-day apostles and prophets. Think of that. How huge is that right now? Present-day apostles and prophets. The extreme teaching as advocated by the new order regarding confession of sin and man over as deliverance of practice, which claims prerogatives of human agency, which belong only to Christ. The erroneous teaching concerning the impartation of gifts and languages or special equipment from missionary services. And you know there was, a, there was a time where people said, well, I'm going to get my prayer language and go off to the mission field. And guess what? They got there and they're like, no one knows what you're saying. So that's why we have language schools. So, we can, so, so please understand that. I mean, the Assembly of God is not, we're not doofus organization. We know what we're doing. That's why we have language schools. You go to missionaries. The erroneous teaching concerning the impartation of gifts and languages. Did I just do that one? Yeah, I did. The extreme and unscriptural practice imparting or imposing personal leading by the means of utterance. Meaning, you know what? Depending on somebody else to get that sure, what is the Lord saying to me? Well, what, are you, what is the Lord saying to me? Let me tell you something. Get your Bible out and find out what the Lord is saying to you. Okay? Seriously. Other such restings and distortions of Scripture interpretations which are in opposition to teaching and practices generally accepted among us. And again, the Assemblies of God is a cooperative fellowship. So you're going to have, you got this long line from the very uber conservative, which I think I would fall on, to the really extreme that I like to go and visit to see what the heck's going on. I mean, seriously. The, so you got this wide range. And, the and I don't envy Pastor John or Pastor John Wooten because you got a lot of stuff happening. And you got guys like me who are very obnoxious, very, like, very opinionated. And I mean, and so, and they try to love me, and I know they do their best. And I don't, I don't make it easy. I know that. So thank you very much. But you know what? But at the same time, then you got the over extreme. And they're trying to unify all this, saints. But I'll tell you what, our unifier truly is the Word of God. It truly is the Spirit of God. So we need to get back to looking at what He says and how He says it. So, again, what's happened, though, is that sometimes this error, and all this, and little by little, this stuff tries to creep its way back in. And so there comes a time where, seriously, listen, we're Protestant for a reason, and I still protest. But I'm saying, there's a reason we do this stuff, to look at what the truth of the gospel really is. And so, again... We, as the Assembly of God, do not believe the gifts have stopped. They have not stopped. All right? 1 Corinthians, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but, the face, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, love, and these three, but the greatest of these is love. So until that which is perfect is coming, you've probably heard this. It's not talking about the scriptures coming. It's talking about when Jesus returns. When, when, when I know him the way he knows me, and I don't know him the way he knows me. He knows everything about We're going to be in his glory, in his presence, saints. That's going to change the way we know Christ Jesus. We know his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his redemption, his love. But we don't know him as he fully is yet. But one day we will. So that's what he's talking about when he says complete. So that's why the gifts can still operate today. That is why they still do. When I know him the way he knows me is what the Bible actually says. I'll be known. Uh, then I shall know just as I am also known. So, again, that isn't going to happen until we're in his presence. Until then, God desires us to be in unity and also to, to seek to use the spiritual gifts, to, to edify the body of Christ. So, not only, saints, does God save us, but, but the Bible says that he fills us with the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we get saved, we, we, get the, we understand we're not saved if we don't have the Holy Spirit, right? And again, and, and when we have what we call, I don't know, I don't always like to turn it with the second blessing. or infil we, we understand that. That is something that does happen in, for us and, and through us. So again, out of salvation, saints, comes the fruit of the Spirit. And again, we're going to focus on this for a little bit. 
Out of salvation comes the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, this isn't a bunch of fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So when you get saved, these begin to grow in your life. These are supposed to be there. And let me tell you something. You look at this. Remember, they're taking the gospel to pagans and to heathens, and the gospel's getting out around this time. And look at what they're saying to these people that are going through all these weird, bizarre rituals and going through all. They're saying, listen, you're going to have love and a joy and a peace, a long suffering, a kindness, a goodness, a faithfulness, a gentleness, a self control. Against such, there's no law. And saying, someone who is a Christian will produce these in their life. This isn't an option. You may never use it in a gift, but this is not optional. This will be in your life. And if it isn't, then you need to, you need to be seeking the Lord. All right? So Matthew 17 says this, 7 says this. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. And I mean, that's just, I don't think it can make it any more clear. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by the life of the Spirit in you. And fruit takes, it takes time to grow naturally, and it, it takes time spiritually. We are walking through a life, and we know we're being sanctified. We're being changed. I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Hopefully, you're not either. We're changing. We're, we're growing. We're maturing. And so these things. So the nature of a tree, though, determines the kind of fruit. That's why Jesus said back then, a good tree produces good fruit. bad tree produces bad fruit. Listen, a mushroom can grow in six hours. If you like mushrooms, there's something wrong with you. But anyhow, I don't like mushrooms. But, but listen, an oak tree, it takes 60 years. So understand that. The fruit of the Spirit must be grown. It's not, I mean, it, 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 it's something, that, the gifts of the Spirit are immediate. And they flow out of the fullness of the Spirit in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit takes time to grow. So salvation brings the work of sanctification into our lives. And this is where we, we sometimes lose. I have, a, I have a couple guys in church who came out of what, you know, the charismatic renewal. If some, some of you I can see would remember what that is and remember that kind of stuff. And I remember him saying to me, he goes, oh, I remember going to those meetings, and they were trying to get me filled with the Spirit before I was even saved. Do you know what I'm talking about? You remember there was, because there was a hype, and there was this excitement, and there was this enthusiasm, but it actually led to some error and some problems. And, and, when, uh, and when the only thing that matters is if you speak in tongues, it doesn't matter your theological belief, you're going to create some chaos. And that's kind of what happened in the charismatic renewal. It was like, as long as they're speaking in tongues, I don't care where, where they're from, what they believe, uh, yeah, you should. <laughs> you, you really should, okay? Because it, it, it does matter. But anyhow, let me, let me go on. Where am I at? Uh, okay, let's go Second Thessalonians. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Look at the connection of these things that, that truly matter, that, that, that salvation come from. It's through sanctification. How do you know you're saved? Through the sanctification. And how does that happen? Through the Spirit. And what does the Spirit produce in us? This fruit, the evidence of that. So, so picture this thing, and, and now he says, and growing in truth. And what's going to help us do that? The Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, directing us, being filled with the Spirit will do that. So our life in Christ, saints, is, is the Spirit of sanctification working in us, that, that continual work, separating us from our old nature. And, and again, I don't know about you, but I know what I used to be. And, and, and I'm still probably far from where I need to be. But gosh, I cannot believe that God redeemed me. I was a little punk. I was a right little kid. He saved me. Alcoholic father, 
divorce, brother in jail all the time, and just, and yet he, he saved me from that. And, and it's like, I can never be grateful enough for that. Oh, if I didn't tell you, I'm a big baby, by the way. All right. So that matters to me. This is important because that work, it, it does something in us, and, and, it, and it should change our lives. I mean, we're to be transformed. So Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And New Living, I love the way New Living says it. I like different translations. Some I don't like, and we can talk another time on that. But And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Saints, eternity is... is, is that eternal life is a quality that results in the change in our lives, the holiness that comes in our lives. And we should, that should be demonstrated. We really should begin to, to live a holy life unto God. And again, that doesn't happen because, listen, the Holy Spirit's in our lives to restrain us from sin. Because let's, let's face it, we live in this fallen world with fallen flesh, and our flesh wants stuff that we know we shouldn't want. And so the Holy Spirit is active in work in our life, restraining us from that sin, restraining us. That's what he does. He, he, our conscience is, is alive. Our desire for Jesus is more, you know, I love him more than I love that. That's basically what salvation turns into. I love Jesus more than I love that. And that's how sanctification works. It, it, it does something in us. So the Spirit of God, at the moment of salvation, saints, is working with us to bring us about into the character of God. To be his image and his likeness is what he calls us to be. To, to show other people, you know, that there's something different about us because there's something different about him. There's no other God like unto our God. You, you can't describe him. And you, I mean, you can only describe because you, you can't compare him to anything. And there is no one like unto our God. So these, these are things that matter. So salvation, saints, is threefold. This process of sanctification. We are saved, and, and, and again, from the penalty of sin. Listen, Jesus Christ wrapped his divinity and humanity to come to this place and to do what we could never do. He actually lived out those Ten Commandments, which are the, the character of God. That, that He did that, what we could never do. We have all broken every commandment, whether we know it or not. Jesus lives that perfect life. And then, if you go the old, you understand sacrifice and all the spotless lamb and all the red heifer, all that kind of stuff, how it matters. But Jesus takes the, God's wrath against sin upon himself, our penalty, the punishment we deserve. And Isaiah says it pleased God to crush it into him so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be set free. That's how much, that's how great of a God we are. He brings salvation away, saints, we could never think of. He's that amazing of a God. So we, we have the penalty covered because, because of a bison. I mean, Jesus takes that, so that's before. He pays the price. And then we have, the, we have salvation from the power of sin, which we just read about, because the Holy Spirit's active in our life. And then in the saints in heaven, we're free from even the presence of sin. And you know, that's what's going to make heaven part of heaven. <laughs> we won't have to be tempted to even sin. We will just have the fullness of God himself and no temptation of sin. That's going to be an amazing thing. So sanctification happens apart from what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not because of it. Understand that. Sanctification happens apart from what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not because of it. So again, Sanctification comes out of salvation and indicates the life of the Spirit of God in you. Are you being changed into the character of God? Because again, are we going to be judged by our fruits or by the gifts we used? Because again, what is God going to judge us by? Saints, fruit of the Spirit and sanctification are connected. The fruit of the Spirit and sanctification are connected. But is God going to judge us by the gifts we use or by the life we lead? So, uh, and understand, so let, let, let's find out here, all right? Matthew 
Beware of false prophets who come in you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They, you will know them by their fruits. <laughs> Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from the... The New Living says it this way. I think I have it both ways there. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Let me tell you, let me, let me tell you what happens with a, with a false teacher. That, that is nothing but thorns and thistles. Let me tell you how they, how they attract true Christians. You take, a, you take a, a, a thistle brush or something, you drag it along a grapevine, and you, you can tear out good grapes. And that's the image you need to have of a false teacher. They come into a healthy church, a healthy congregation, some, and they just drag their ministry, and they drag this nonsense through, and it attracts, and, it, and it'll get somebody, and it'll rip them away. God help them from the solid teaching and the good stuff, because they offer something. They, 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 they try to promote something. That's, that's the image you need to have. That's how, it, that's how it gets the good fruit. It rips it away from a healthy vine. So, the fruit of a tree indicates the nature of the tree. So in Matthew 7, um, he says this, A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A rotten tree isn't going to produce good fruit. And here's the thing. I didn't say it can't produce emotion. Didn't say it can't produce hype. Didn't say it can't produce a crowd and, and draw a crowd, because they can do that. But it's the lasting fruit that is never evident. Now, I asked Pastor John, and, I, I, and again, he's gracious to me, because I'm one of those people, and I won't, I won't mention any name. Afterwards, you could ask me. <laughs> but I went and heard this guy that had done something down south, and, and he was coming up north, and so I went to go here. And I'm going to tell you the first thing out of the guy's mouth. And I went, and again, I'm not going to lie, didn't have the best attitude walking in. But I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hear. I'm going to participate. Raise your hand. I raise my hand. You know, the, the funny part was when they said, raise your hand and just grab that gold. Grab that gold from heaven because the angels that work in the financial realm of heaven are here tonight. And I'm like, oh, my word, here we go. And again, so it was all it's about you better give to this ministry because if you give to this ministry, God is going to bless you back so much. And he's talking. It was just crazy. And let me say this because this man has a, a healing ministry. And, and I tried to go, and I tried to get it. I'm telling you, we were like magnets, you know, opposed. I mean, I would, I would go over here. I, was, I just want to talk to him. I wasn't going to be mean or I wasn't going to slap him or nothing like that. I just want to talk to him. But I'll tell you what, every time I'd get, he'd be like over here, and, and then he just kind of bolted. But, and again, I was, I, and, I, and again, he has no idea who I am. I'm just a small goofball from Sydney, Ohio. He has no idea who I, who I am. But let me say this. The guy in the wheelchair, left in the wheelchair. The guy in the walker, left in the walker. I, I'm just saying. And I don't think anybody found any gold. And I had no, nothing on my hand when I got done anyhow. So there was no gold in my pocket when I left there. I just had to pay for gas, which I wasted. Anyhow, um, uh, let's see. Where was I? Where am I at? Matthew 7, 18. Okay. So a rotten tree can't produce good fruit. It can do all the other things. It can produce a crowd. It can produce some hype. It can produce all that. But the result is there. I, I, you hear of these revivals. And then you look at the residual effect of these revivals when they're, when they're done. It, it's not always pleasant or good. I went and did a funeral for a friend of mine whose wife went to a revival with, with him, and he was talking about how great the revival was, and God really moved, and, you know, that was just several years ago. And then he said, oh, but then, the, you know how the enemy comes in and takes stuff and does, and bad things happen, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and what was sad is that this is a, a, his wife was really involved in this revival, and she ends up committing suicide. 
it just it blew me away. I, I had and when I when I agreed to do the funeral, I had no idea she'd even done that. But when I get down there, and he's telling me the story because I she had been my boss years ago at, at a bank, and and I'm like, wow, I, I had no clue. And I didn't want and I didn't say anything. I wasn't I, I left that alone. I didn't say anything. You know, I said this is about you know we're we're gonna do a do a a celebration of her life and. Uh, Again, there was some mental illness in there, but I will be honest. But it was, it, was just, it was tragic for me to hear how much they enjoyed this and how blessed and how it changed their life. And I'm thinking, well, she committed suicide. How much of a change did it really bring? I mean, she ended her own life. All right. But again, I'm not blaming it on the revival. I'm just saying they've always been into that type of stuff. So, so the fruit is something, saints, that will remain. Not a flash in the pan revival. Not a flash in the pan minister. So let me say this, and if you write anything down, write this down. We as Pentecostals, as Christians, as believers in Christ Jesus, should never judge a ministry. We should never judge a minister. We should never judge a church by the gifts that operate. We have to be careful. I'm going to read a a quote from a book. I I want to recommend this book because I haven't gotten all the way through it yet, but I love this quote. The truth of a teacher's words is determined not by the feats he can perform by the orthodox, but by the orthodoxy of what he teaches. We are never to follow anyone who perverts the truth of God's word, no matter how gifted that person is, how large an organization that person commands, or how amazing that person's work seems to be. And saints, there is some really good truth there. Again, I can't recommend the book because I haven't read it all the way through, so, but I thought that was a really good quote. Um, but we never judge by these things. Never judge that we judge Here's the deal. We judge them by the fruit in the lives of the teachers, the preachers, and the leadership. That's how you judge a ministry. Because there are churches of, of 50 and 60 and, and, you know, and 100 people that are doing God's work and God's way. And, and they'll never get any recognition. And they'll never get... And, and let, me just, let me just say, again, does God heal me? Two years ago, I get out of bed on a Sunday morning... And I hear this pop. I mean, my, my arm goes dead. It took, I, I don't know what happened. I thought I had popped something in my shoulder. Um, I got to do a baptism of a guy who was heftier than me. And so I remember, I mean, I almost drowned the poor guy. I mean, my arm was literally dead. It was on fire. It was the weirdest thing. And I come to find out I had a protruding, migrating disc. And I'm like, okay. The, and the, the guy's like, okay, we're going to cut you here. We're going to open you up. Or we're going to take out the disc and put in a plate. And, and, and they always do this thing. And by the way, there's, you know, there's always the, uh, you could die from this. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks a lot. And I'm like, okay, now, now I became a man of prayer. Man, my prayer life increased tenfold. I'm praying I got more mercy and grace for people that I, you know, back issues. I mean, this is what it feels like. It was just horrible, horrible. And I'm praying. And I'm praying, I'm Lord, sick of your face. And again, I'm like, and, and so the, this is amazing because I'm wearing my, I got to wear a thing around my neck. I got my arm in a sling. I mean, I'm, I really look like a man of faith. And, uh, and so I'm, I go to the doctor. And the day before the surgery, my wife's going with me to make sure, you know, and I think she's got the insurance papers there. I don't know what that was all about. But um, we're going there. And, uh, and I said, doctor, before we get started, I just need to let you know this. And I take off my thing. And I said, I want you to know. I said, I can go like this. I said, I haven't lost any mobility. I said, the only thing is I got a little bit of tingling right here in my, in my nail, right tip of my finger. He goes, oh. He says, then we're not doing the surgery. He said, we can't improve on improvement. And he was a Christian, a Christian doctor, and he just says, well, just, let's just say Lord took care of it. And I'm like, cool. And, and, I'm, and I'm serious. And I am not one of those big, holding a big prayer rally. You know, you know what? I just asked the Lord. No, no, I, I begged of the Lord. I don't want to get God. <laughs> And I don't want to, I mean, I just, you know, not only am I a baby, I'm a coward, just so you know. 
I would be a terrible spy. I mean, I would, I would, I would hand you all out. I'd give name addresses in a heartbeat. Let me tell you something. Um, but yeah, I would just, but the saints, the Lord still does stuff like that. And what was amazing, and I'm going to tell you, I had a guy in who, who is a cessationist, who does believe that the gifts have stopped. And he had to cancel his appointment with me to actually come to the church. He does a seminar. He canceled because he had a disc pop out of his neck. And here's the weird thing. He had to have the surgery. And so when we're at this meeting, again, I, I, don't, I love having, I love talking to people from different, I, I don't care, I, I just love people, I love, you know, talk. And so I asked him, I said, so do you think the Lord healed me? I said, I have no other explanation for it. And this guy who was a cessationist who had to have the same surgery I had to have said, yeah, the Lord healed you. And he says, I just, I can't explain why. And I said, do you think it's because I asked and I believed? I mean, because that's the only difference between us. I asked and I believed. I, I know that God can do it. Did he have to? No. I, the Lord doesn't owe me saints. He saved my soul. I'm already healed. Amen. I'm sure there's going to be a day where I won't, I won't even have this tingling in my finger. You know what I mean? I, that's all good. So I know that. But God is just gracious and kind. And he still does these types of things. He still moves today in people's lives. So, again, you should judge them by the fruit in their lives. The teachers, the preachers, the leadership, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. So, now why do I say that? And we're going to get into a couple things here. On Judgment Day, saints, this should attract our attention. On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That, that's, that's a wake-up call to us. I don't like that verse either, but it's there. Jesus said it. Saints, judge by the moral character. Judge by, based on moral character. Judge, is your life changed and is it transformed? Did my life reflect Jesus? That's what we're going to be judged on. That, and, and that's what we need to, seriously, that's what we need to focus on more than I think sometimes we do. Because the bad fruit, even though spiritual gift saints are evident, look back at what that verse says. Let me go back. Even though their, their spiritual gifts are evident, it says it show, uh, shows a lawlessness, a God-devoid ministry. And that's why Paul was so aggravated with the Corinthian church. And you know there's a lot of nonsense going on. There were some believers, there were some unbelievers go, in, in this church. But saints, all, let me get to my point here, all gifts must be placed in the framework of God's will and God's glory. God doesn't share his glory. And say, that's why it bothers me when the false teachers tell individuals that don't get healed. Well, you didn't have enough faith. That's horrible. That's not, that's not even the words of the Lord. That, that's horrible. That's, that, that to me just, that aggravates me. Where did I go? Am I, am I too far? I think I went too far. I'm going to have to go back a couple of slides. Forgive me for a second. Here we go. All right. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. This is Paul speaking. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities than that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. My saints, that's a strong Christian right there. I would rather boast in my, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. For I, when I am weak, then I'm strong. Saints, and there have been theories about 
pulse. Was it his eyesight? Was it a carnal loss? Was it? Uh, I, I, I think probably more goes to his eyesight. But saints, healing never came to him. And it's not because he wasn't a man of God. And it certainly wasn't because he wasn't filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you something. 2 Timothy 4.20 And Aristus, Aristus stayed in Corinth, but Trophy, Trophimus, I left in Miletus sick. Why would Paul leave his friend sick? Why wouldn't he just pray and, 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 and heal him and, and, and then go on his way? Did he forget to pray? I mean, at first, you don't have this one, but 1 Timothy 5, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake, for your frequent infirmities, he tells Timothy. I mean, it was, it was medicine back then. We're not trying to get drunk and wasted. I mean, there was, we have medicine today that we can take, and most of us probably do. But saints, the gifts have to flow out of a life that is filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Please understand, the fruit of the Spirit has to be laid first because the gifts, without the fruit, they bring chaos. They don't bring honor and glory to the Lord. So where do the gifts come from? 1 Corinthians 12, 8, verses are 12, 8 through 10. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing uh, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Saints, all these gifts came to the church, by the way, after the day of Pentecost. You know that, right? In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, look, this verse continues. But one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. These are the gifts of the Spirit. And so, in the preceding verse of what we just read before, that says, these are, get to it, um, these are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. They are different differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for the body of Christ. We as the church, that's why the gifts are there. They're to edify us, to, to encourage us. Saints, we go through hard times. You, listen, to hear what, 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 we have a lady in Toledo, her husband just got murdered. Unbelievable. How do you pray? Let me tell you, I'm praying last night, and let me tell you something. I had to pray in the Spirit. I have no idea what to pray for that woman. My heart breaks to lose your spouse in, in that way. I, listen, there are things I don't even know how to utter, but the Holy Spirit does. So you pray in the Spirit. You do, you, you have to. All right. Um, oh, so when we talk about these things, the manifestation, none of these things is goofy, and none of them is man-exalting. They are body-edifying. The Holy Spirit alone gives us the spiritual gifts. He alone. It's not something you can just say, well, I think I want the... Nah, you ain't doing that. Holy Spirit uses you, and they are gifts. The gifts are called charis, which means freely given. Grace, saints, is given without merit. Let me tell you something. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. God owes us nothing. And that goes from whether it be your salvation. The only thing you brought to Jesus for him to, to, bring, to give you salvation was your sin. That's the only thing any of us had to offer was Jesus, was our sin. And that's, I mean, we have no good works. There's nothing. I mean, our works are like filthy rags. The Bible tells We come to Jesus. We give him our sin. And for whatever reason, he's gracious, he's kind, he's loving. He gives us salvation. And he, and he says, I'm going I'm to make old things pass away, all things become new. Let me tell you something. I've said this before. You don't have an anger problem. You don't have a drug problem. You don't, you don't have a, a lust problem. We have a we problem. And that's why Jesus says you have to be born again. Because the problem is us. We're sinful. So that's why he says you've got to be born again. That it, we, we get a, a whole new beginning here. All right? So the same goes with the gifts of the Spirit, like our salvation. We didn't earn them. It's, this is the word. For, for divine, and look down here, free gift, gift, it's freely given, that's what he does, that's where we get the word char char charismata from, charismatic comes from that, 
So 1 Corinthians 12. But one same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He will. So, now do you see this? The operation of the gifts in a person's life do not indicate any spiritual maturity, ability, or superiority. I'm going to repeat that. The person operating in the gifts of the Spirit, it does not show any maturity, spiritual authority, or superiority in the Christian work, in, in, in the Christian realm. It's the fruits that are the measure of maturity, not the gifts. Does your life have love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and meekness and temperance and faith? Do you have all that? Because, saints, there are people that will use gifts, and you know this, to manipulate people to get their way. And I have been in churches where it is just nothing but manipulation. And they act as if this gift is given to them, you know, uh, for the Spirit to just, it edifies them and it builds them up and it just, that's not the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't make them special at all. That when somebody starts using a gift and it's to, to edify their own ministry or to blind their own pockets, let me tell you something, there's error there. That's what I call charismania, the goofiness with, with, with gifts but with no life lived with evident fruit. And usually those people, you look at, and say, I do like to do research. I mean, I'm I like to do research. So I check out the people. I check out. I, I like to see, how many times have they been married? Well, that's interesting. And it's interesting when a revivalist is all of a sudden divorcing his crippled wife so that he can marry the secretary and he's getting drunk on the platform and people are still supporting. That's, that's nonsense. That's crazy. That's insanity. That's why I don't want to be charismatic. I'm Pentecostal. And that guy wasn't using the gifts of the Spirit. He was, a, he was using the Spirit of something. But when you end up like that, that's nonsense. So saints, the Spirit of God will do a supernatural work through a believer for the benefit of the church body because the church body is the, the body of Christ here on earth for the exaltation of Christ. That's why the Spirit does the work of the Spirit. But a true working of spiritual gifts, they, they flow out of the fruit of the Spirit. We have to have that as our foundation. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. That's a powerful verse because what what's the, the actual emphasis here? Is it on the gifts or is it on the fruit? It's on the fruit. He says it's, it's, it's the fruit that makes you mature. Saints, gifts that flow out of a life that is fruitless is useless to the body of Christ. It will just bring chaos in fact, I guarantee you it will cause problems and divisions later on. Again, you look at some of the, the ministries that, have, that go through with this wildfire nonsense, and then they leave, and there's just devastation in their wake. Disappointment and devastation. But the fruits coming out of a foundation of the gifts, of the, uh, of the gifts, man, that gives us something to stand on. And it brings glory to Christ, and it brings glory to His finished work. Because all of it will, will just show us who, how great and glorious Christ Jesus really is. That's why the Holy Spirit came. That we could testify of Him. And, and we've got to get it... I, I worry sometimes that we as Pentecostals think that Jesus died to give us the Holy Spirit. He didn't. He came to bring us salvation and gives us the Holy Spirit so we can testify of this good news of what Christ has done. It's about the finished work of Christ. He saved us. He, saints, we were destined for hell and deserving of it. Christ saved us from that in His goodness and in His graciousness. Let me tell you something. And when you have to talk to somebody, let me tell you something. You, you do it in your own strength. That is the most offensive message in the world. You need the Holy Spirit. And you need the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life to, to begin to soften the heart you're about to witness to. That's a hard message. I don't care how you try to cut it. And we can't try to soften it and dumb it down. 
And that's the problem we got with churches today. We're trying to make the world, the, the church, the Chuck E. Cheese for the world. That's nonsense. We come in to get discipled. So we can go out into a world and live and, 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 and be at peace with men, but share this message. And it's a hard message, saints. We need to be filled with the Spirit if we're going to do what God has called us to do. So he's emphasizing the fruit. And I lost my place, so I'm doing this like, like I'm looking and trying to find it here. Um, here we go. So saints, the gifts are instantaneous and they're temporary in ministry. But the fruit of the Spirit is to abide in our lives at every moment. The fruit of the Spirit is in our lives. The, you, may be move, you may move in a gift of the Spirit, which is fine, but that's instantaneous and it's momentary. But the fruit of the Spirit better be evident in your life at all times. The proof of maturity is not the gifts, but in the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're only looking for gifts, man, and face it, there are people that only, they'll go anywhere to go find it. Listen, I'm a stalker because I want to see what kind of nonsense is going on. There are people going just, and what's, what happens is, Desperate people will take desperate measures. And so when these people offer things that they can't produce, that weakens the body of Christ. And, and, and it harms the most, gosh, the most sensitive of sheep. And those that are just coming to Christ or, or they're new in their faith and, and they're, they're promised this if they'll come or they're promised that if they, if, if they give. And it doesn't happen. That's wrong. And we need to be policing ourselves better and saying, that don't, I'm not tolerating that. And, saints, and, and so in my church, here's what I told my church just a week or two weeks ago. I said, let me tell you something. If the Holy Spirit moves upon you and you have a word of wisdom for somebody, you have a, you have a prayer of faith for somebody, you, I mean, God has given you that. You, you know you need to go. Here's what, you, here's what you need to do. Be obedient. Here's what you don't need. And I just held up my microphone. You don't need this to be obedient. Because when it, when it turns into it's about us, it's no longer the work of the Spirit. It's, it's, it's we're trying to elevate ourselves. And we would have more of a move of the Spirit in our congregations if we would just be obedient and not try to make it a show. Why can't we just go pray? The Lord, and go, hey, Lord really just led me to pray for you, brother. I just, I just feel, and you know what? You'll know if I'm goofy or not. You know what? You'll know if that word is for you or not. But we don't need, we make it into this big show. And then what happens is guests and unbelievers come in and they go, here's what the word says. Eh, I don't understand any of that. And eh, I don't want any of that because that doesn't make any sense to me. But you know, you go up to a, an unbeliever and you do have a word of wisdom for them from the Lord or the Holy Spirit, and you just give it to them one-on-one, -on -one, not make it a big spectacle, not freak them out, man, you, you're being used of the Spirit to literally draw and to, to, to soften their heart and make a heart of stone a heart of flesh. I mean, just being part of that process that God does. Saints, that's what we need to get back to. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there's no law. This is what God wants us to be. This is what he's trying to grow in us. And saints, if we are not, and again, he doesn't make it easy either, because look, that's just one fruit, that different parts of that fruit that are growing. And if we're missing that, then I, then I would say this, and I'd say this with the idea that you could throw something at me. If these are not evident in your life, if your life is nothing but chaos right now, if you can't say, I'm growing in these things, and I'm going to please, for the love of all that is holy, don't be trying to operate in the gifts. Just don't, because you will bring chaos to other people's lives. Let this be the foundation. And I'll tell you, we start letting this happen more and more, we will be using the gifts of the Spirit in a way that I don't think we've seen in a long time. Because it will honor Christ, it will glorify Him, it will point people to Him, and it will, it will not be about a person, a man, a ministry, a woman. It will be about Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to be about. Amen? Amen. All right, um, let's just pray real quick. Father, we thank You for the diversity that You have put into the body of Christ. 
It's our opportunity to display the glory of our Savior in this very dark world. And forgive us for trying to impress the world with our, when our desire should be to honor you. So Father, your strength is made perfect in our weakness, your word says. So help us to be strong in the midst of this fallen world and to be obedient, Lord, to whatever the situation we may find ourselves. May we glorify you as we bear much fruit and fruit that remains. So this world might come to know Jesus because he has been exalted in our lives and our words by that fruit that remains in us because we've surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit. We're such privileged people to be called by your name. May we hold fast to your plan and for the church to be a place for you, for your people to be gathered, to be encouraged, to be corrected, to be discipled, and to be sent out. Give us all that we need, any gift, any blessing, and allow us to be open to the Holy Spirit, Lord, to use us for the edifying of the body of Christ, for building the body of Christ here. May we flow when needed, but more importantly, help us to grow daily in the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, long-suffering, the kindness, the goodness, the meekness, faithfulness, the gentleness, self-control. We ask this in Christ Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, I want to stop, and I want to just take questions from you or, or anything that either offended you, aggravated you, or you agree with. I'd like to agree with a few of those, but um, anything that, you, that, that maybe came up to mind when, we, when going through this session? Yes? I mean, uh, th there are groanings that I couldn't, the things that I couldn't say, seriously, things that I don't even know how to pray. And I want the Holy Spirit to do that. I mean, it just, he, because God knows all things. I mean, the Holy Spirit is part of this trying. He is, he is God, and he does know all things. He, he, too, is omniscient. So, you know what, he knows what to pray for. And so, just like we have an intercessor for us, I mean, he, he, I mean, the Holy Spirit does that. He prays the things that we don't even know what to pray for. And so, when I was praying for this lady whose husband, I, seriously, my heart was breaking for her. I don't know what to pray. But I know he does. And so whether it be comfort, just self-control, whatever, whatever she needs, then I want the Holy Spirit to, 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 to know. And he prays that. And again, he, listen, the Holy Spirit can do amazing things in someone's life. So let's just let him do that. And it, again, it's not about us. It's really about what the Holy Spirit, please do whatever. And if we can just be a small part of that, what an honor that is. And, I'm, and, listen, I, and I don't mean that false humility. I'm, I'm a nobody from the middle of nowhere who doesn't do anything. You know, I said, I'm, I'm weak, I'm a coward, I, but you know what? When it comes time, I want to pray, I want to seek God's face, I want Him to move. And I, got, I, I see just things in our church, whether it be young or old, people coming to know Him, people's lives being changed, because I focus on the, this in, in my preaching, in my teaching, because I know the Holy Spirit, as Paul said, you know what? These things will flow. I mean, it's just, it's something that He will use as we get to know the Holy Spirit. We get to know Him through this. And then all of a sudden, he just he uses you to, to be that person that says, I really feel led to pray for you. I really feel like I, I, got, a, I got a word of wisdom here. I got this. Use it. Do it. So you're saying praying in the Spirit is not just utterance. It's actually whatever God put on place on your yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You pray in the Spirit and with understanding. 
You, you do both. You're supposed to. You pray in the Spirit and with understanding. And again, he even says, you know, you speak to someone and they don't understand your language. What good is it to speak in tongues if they don't understand it? You at least have, listen, I will, I will say this far, and I, I'm risking my job here. Um, I've told my congregation, I pray in the Spirit every day. You probably will not hear me because if there's no interpretation for it, it doesn't edify you. And, I, and, and listen, every denomination, every church has traditions. And we too have traditions that I'm not so sure are always right. But praying in the Spirit is one that we can do. But I, I, you take it for I'm just saying, I've told my congregation, I pray in the Spirit all the time. But I'm not, you'll probably never hear me because, again, without interpretation for it, how is it edifying you? And I had one guy one time, again, he was, kind of, he was one of those nutty ones. None of this in his life. And he calls me and says, I have a word for you. I said, all right. And he starts speaking in tongues. I said, well, what does that mean? What's the interpretation? He goes, oh, I don't know. You're supposed to, you have to pray for that. I'm like, uh-uh, buddy. I said, you have no idea. What, you have no clue how, the, how this is supposed to work. I said, that, you, just were, you were an error there. And then he got mad at me because I called him on it. Well, you know, but we should call it. Listen, if we have this. That <laughs> yeah, no. It wasn't, it wasn't Pastor John. It wasn't. It was the opposite of you, but trust me, someone that was off in La La Land. But listen, if we have this going on, we should be able to talk about these things. We should, seriously, we should be able to, even if we disagree, if this is going on in our lives, we can talk about the things that really irritate us sometimes or that we don't understand, and we can, we can gain that. Better. Yes? Okay, I have a question. I was just wanted because they say that speaking in tongues is the outward sign, right, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it's but you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues because there's other gifts. Am I correct? There are, that is up for debate. And there are people That's on both funny. camps within the Assemblies of God. And those that agree like you usually try not to say they agree with you. Because <laughs> we don't want to get, they don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, that's what I'm like. But at the same time, but at the same time, you know what? I've seen people that actually, you know, they. There are other they gifts. They sit there and they'll tell me, we're going to have a message today. You know, because they know, they feel in their spirit. The Holy Spirit has given them that gift of, right. of knowing when the Holy Spirit is present and is going to speak. And it doesn't happen that often in our church. But when it does, this person will lean over and tell me, this is going to happen today. So, but yet, not being baptized in the Holy Spirit in the form of speaking in tongues. Right, you well, because there are many gifts. And again, so there are more gifts than just speaking in tongues. So right, there, there are, and, and that is, that is always, always going to be, the, I think, the rub in our denomination because we should, we should and it says to seek for that. And all, but it says to seek for the, for, the, for the best gifts, right? But part of that is, if you look at it, it actually means about the apostle, the, prophet, the teaching, being a teacher, being someone. We should all do that. But again, we can't do that without being infilled with the Spirit. So we should seek that. Again, I had people, I had a guy in my church, he sought for the Holy Spirit to be, and he got it, he received it, he, evidence speaking in tongues. His wife has never received it yet. And so, but I know her heart and her life. And I know she's still seeking it, but you know what? I don't want to beat her up and say, well, you're less of a Christian. You're not as, right. you're not as, you know. So I have a hard time with that, too. I really do. Yeah. And so um, you're, you're going to get me in trouble. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for my last session at Synergy. Appreciate it. Uh, nice seeing you. But, yes, that is always going to be a debate. And, and, but, again, we are to seek that. And, and again, I think yeah. it is something that, that we, as. We should seek it. Yes. It helps and it, it, it brings us closer. Can I tell you, as a young man? How many of those people that that I saw fall in the 80s and 90s all were spiritual? Well, and I think that's part of his problem because he said it scares him, and he's worried that if it, you know, if that's all he's seeking is speaking in tongues, if the rest of it's not, you know, if his life.
pipe's not falling. And right. With, then there's a problem. And he sees people speaking in tongues that their lives don't line up with the gifts of the Spirit. See, I, I don't know. I think that gets in the episode. But go ahead. Yes. Real quick comment. Yes. When we get sick, we don't receive two-thirds of the Holy Spirit. We get the Father, we get the Son, and That's we a good point. the Holy Spirit at salvation. That's, yep. The gift of tongues is a separate. Correct. Correct. I, again, because it's one of the, one of these gifts, but again, they they are they come through the work of the Spirit in our lives. So you can't operate in the gifts unless you have the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it, that's why the manifestations can be so chaotic because you can have false teachers that that can seem. And again, I I've been preaching, like I said, with Balaam and seeing this false prophet, this false teacher. He's just he's you know he can't speak anything but the Word of God, but still he's still a false a false teacher. So not everything false teachers say is is false. They they come in with you know an angel of light type of thing. So you got to be careful. So that's why I'm saying, this is what you base the ministry on. Research these people. Find out, seriously, see what their lives are like. I mean, and, and the problem, it, well, actually not a problem, it's a good thing today. You can YouTube, you don't have to take anything out of context anymore. Go listen to one of those sermons and find out, you believe that? Well, then I'm not, I, I'm not lining up with you. You teach that, I'm not lining up with you. So that's what we, this should be the foundation for everything before we even get impressed with anyone moving in the gift of the Spirit. It should be that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And again, I, I can't say that people don't, people do get healed when they go to because, but it's not to do with that person. It has to do with God touching them. You know what I mean? Changing. And, and we're we're running over. So I'm so sorry. But thank you guys so much for coming. I hope you enjoyed that. Please don't complain much. All right. God bless. <laughs>